Hello, and welcome to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. If you're growing your photography or creative business, you're in the right place. Each week, we deliver a workshop-style solo show, expert interview, or motivating story from our community, so you can tune in to find encouragement, motivation, and ideas to help the right people find you and your amazing work. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting. I'm a photographer and coach, and my favorite thing is helping dangerous creatives just like you stand out in a world that just wants us to blend in. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Guys, today you are in for a treat. We have guest Joy Prouty on the podcast. She is the author of Practicing Presence, and we talk about her journey to using photography for healing, for being more present with her life and her family, and for sharing that with hundreds, thousands of women across the country and the world, and we're just so excited to have her. Joy Prouty has been a photographer for 20 years, focusing on honest and creative family portraiture, a filmmaker for 10, creating music videos and brand films, keynote speaker at ClickAway, and celebrity photographer featured in People Magazine, Magnolia Journal, and Entertainment Tonight. She's a mentor and educator and now author of the new book, Practicing Presence. And she lives with her husband and seven kids on a tiny island in the Salish Sea. So we're so excited for this episode. We hope that you um, get so much from this conversation and feel encouraged. I know I did for sure, as this is not something that comes naturally to me and I'm just so encouraged by her story and the things that she um, teaches us throughout this episode. So, And I also want to let you know that we are about to run a sale for Danger School, which is our coaching membership. We have a live monthly call each month, different topic each time, and we're going to be doing a money magic challenge at the end of this year. So if you join with the holiday sale, it's $333 for the year, which is a huge discount. And it'll let you in for a whole year to this community to get access to the live coaching calls, all of our curriculum that we use with our coaching students, and also this money magic challenge. We would absolutely love to have you. The link for the sale is in our show notes. So make sure you share it with friends. This is a great way to get a boost of energy around your business. If you have some money goals or revenue goals or business goals for your photography or creative business, now is a great time to jump in and take advantage of this sale and the challenge that's coming at the end of the year. So um, you'll get access to the challenge when it drops right after Christmas. So jump in, take advantage of the discount, and we cannot wait to see you inside. Thanks, Joy, for being on, and thanks again for listening to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. Well, hello. Today, I am so excited to have Joy Prouty on the podcast. She is not only an incredible photographer, but is a recently published author of the most beautiful book that I've just been scouring over Joy. It's so pretty and so um, just like the words that you share are just so impactful to all of our hearts. So I'm excited to have you on today and to hear more about thank your story you. and your journey. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Well, I just was feeling like you and I are drinking the same, we're swimming in the same sea uh, <laughs> of being intentional with our art and it wanting to mean something more than just a momentary nothing. So <laughs> yes, yes, totally. 
Totally. Well, um, I would love to just have for people that had maybe haven't met you before or want to know more about your story. Can you give us a little bit of a catch up on your photography career? Because I know we're going to talk about practicing presence and how that kind of became a big part of your life. But was it always there? And was the beginning of your photography career based in presence? Or is that was like kind of something that came later? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, let's see, let's fit 20 years into a small, (laughs) short thing as possible. Um, I think, well, I mean, I, I thought at the beginning that photography was something that I wanted to use to help the world heal in some way. You know, I think that was the beginning of it. It was like, I was very involved with like ministry at the time. And it really felt like, oh, this is my calling. This is what I meant to do. And it was because I would take a picture and show the person the picture and they would validate that what I had done was meaningful. And as someone who has been on the search for meaning, always like to make sense of difficult things, but also to, um, to connect with other people and to feel like grounded myself, um, that validation from other people felt really good. And so I think I got into photography because I wanted people to feel like happy. You know, it was, I had really tried to figure out how to be happy for really, I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, but, uh, (laughs) Yeah. And so, and then I was doing it and made a business doing that. And that was a long time ago. And, um, I started building these really elaborate sets and, um, for people that were engaged or for families. And that was kind of, it wasn't that common at the time. And so it got, it, it spread quickly on the internet. And I started booking clients that were coming in from other countries and they were wanting me to build this magical set for them to step into. And part of it was fun because I was painting and getting creative, but over time it started to feel shallow because the stories weren't authentic. They just wanted the like set design. Um, and so, you know, I, I was just like, my business constantly took me through an evolution of trying to find myself and find what feels like, you know, and it would feel good for a while. And then I would realize, uh oh, like, my validation, my, my like desire for valid, I couldn't name it at the time, but like my desire for validation got in the way of me staying true to the things that I wanted to create that were honest. Yeah. And so it was just like, yeah, lots of recalibrating. Um, and so, yeah, I started shooting families after that airtime for like 24 hours at a time, just trying to figure out how to like get honest. Um, and I learned a lot and then the pandemic happened and tried to figure out how to like, how do I still connect with people, but I can't be really close with them. And so that's how the book came about. Yeah. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Well, I want to dive into the, um, trying to be, trying to be honest. Cause I feel like that's something that is so hard to do in photography. And I know that it has been for me too, because Yeah. One of the reasons that I started photography was to make people happy. And so then when people have their own idea of what's going to make them happy, it feels so easy to just go along with what they want, right? Instead of kind of finding some kind of through line. Um, Do you mind digging in more to that process of how you kind of like got honest in your work? Um, let's see. Well, I think, um, I think some of us are artists, mostly artists are, um, 
uh, we can only tolerate so much toxic positivity. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, I'm done. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I think, you know, uh, doing a career that caused me to have to energetically step into a space that my nervous system could not handle uh, taught me a lot about myself and how, okay, like when I would be with families and like a child would be crying and the parent would like pull them away and be like, oh, let me just like shove this candy in your face or um, any situation like that where it's like I had this idea of what I was imagining but the people were so caught up in what they could see or what they were worried about, what other people are going to see, that it's like that connection, that like spark of creative um, juice, like it just got like all frayed and couldn't even find the authentic part anymore of me or them. And like, I just carried that in my body and it led to like lots of migraines and I know toxic uh, adrenaline spikes that led to cortisol that led to autoimmune disease that I am trying to figure out how to heal now. Um, and so I know that I can't put my energy into any kind of work that is going to tax me. Like my body will tell me, nope, that's not going to work for us. Like I'm going to just give you this pain every time you pick up your camera to, you know, photograph something that's make-believe. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, we could have a whole long conversation about bodies teaching us lessons. I'm like, can my body stop teaching me lessons? <laughs> yeah. I've learned enough. <laughs> I've learned enough. Um, and I mean, I just feel like this topic is so important. And honestly, I'm, I feel, um, I feel so challenged by being present. Like, I feel like I'm never good enough at it, you know, like I'll think I've learned how to do it. And then I'm just like distracted and running away and feeling bad about not being with my son or at my work or all these things. And so I think like even just having this conversation is so important for so many creatives running businesses, women, moms, people that are feeling pulled in so many directions, trying to do the right thing by everybody and trying to make everyone happy and kind of missing the point in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a total joke. Uh, yeah. I'm, I wrote in the book about, you know, how all Kodak's messaging in the 50s when they came out with cameras were saying like, have a happy moment with a Kodak and like all of this celebratory language that was totally based in just trying to sell a product. And, um, and we took that on and we're still carrying it. And all of the photos from at least our generation have show like everything trying to be pleasing and perfect. And so I am hoping that the work that you and I are doing, like that's why we're connecting right now, is that we're trying to change the culture around the purpose of pictures. Um, and that that's just some sort of fake idea that we are putting on and there's a reason it feels not authentic. Yeah, yeah, totally. So in your book, you write about kind of a health event that happened that started a lot of your own continuing to practice presence, writing this book, things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Thanks. Yeah, I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Um, that's 
four, almost four years ago or four years ago now. And I know that that's not like a super common thing that a lot of people can connect to. A lot of people aren't necessarily like injecting insulin, but I think autoimmune disease and chronic pain is something that is very, very common in those of us that have chosen to do some kind of creative career because we are making a choice to encounter what it is to be embodied, to feel in our bodies. And so um, when I was diagnosed with that, I was pregnant with, I have seven kids. I was pregnant with our sixth child at the time. And I just thought like, oh, this is just part of being pregnant. And I was just so exhausted. And then I was diagnosed and it was a really scary time. I didn't know if my baby would survive. I didn't know if his brain was okay. Um, and I just started learning so much about, um, the way that stress impacts our, our, body, our immune system, our cells, <laughs> all of it. Um, and I started to have to um, track my blood sugar numbers so that I could control it with insulin. And it was the craziest thing because I had lived my whole life feeling like, oh, this stress is impacting me, but I wasn't actually seeing it. I couldn't register it or like, you know, track it. And I would notice that when I would get anxious or I would start to worry, my blood sugar numbers would spike to very, very dangerous levels. And so I was all of a sudden aware of how stress was taking a toll on my body and actually causing it to be a toxic environment for the baby growing in my belly. And so I'm like, okay, time to get creative about how to use art as a way to um, calm myself because being in my head was not working. <laughs> it never works. And so, you know, photography had always been the thing that like before I tried to like mold it into some kind of career or a way to make money, it brought me joy. Like it forced me to get back to the root of why I first fell in love with photography before I, before I tried to like put it into all these different boxes. And Whenever I would take a picture, like people could do it in a lot of different ways. You could do it by going for a walk. You could do it by meditation, breath work, embodiment, somatic practice, whatever. Like getting, picking up the camera, I found was a practice that if I did it when I felt anxious, I could see the numbers on my blood sugar monitor decrease when my body was able to relax. And I learned all about how every time I get stressed, it's shooting that cortisol inside my body and it's causing a toxic environment. So it's like, it was like a life-saving tool. Um, and so I know that when I put it down, when I have seasons of putting it down, like the past couple of months, I've been really busy and my numbers have been more out of control. Like I'm very aware of it. So yeah. Yeah. I, you wrote in your book that the camera is like our attention flashlight, that it kind of helps us to hone in on the thing we're trying to give focus to. And I just thought that that was um, such a nice way to put it of like, hey, we can be just kind of going about our day and missing a whole lot, but the camera can kind of like focus to narrow in or even the story that you told about when you were a little girl and things would feel really chaotic and using your camera to just be like, I can focus on this one little thing. Um, I feel like so many people relate to that and um, like could find so much help and healing through using a camera in that way to kind of slow down. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for reminding me of that part. And I think 
the thing is that we're already doing it. Every single person is already doing it. We all have cameras on our phones or like 90, 90% of us, most of us. And so we're already in the practice of noticing what matters to us, but we're not taking it in long enough. And so it's a matter of, okay, listen, you don't have to go outside what you're already doing. Even for professionals that don't have their big cameras with them all the time. What are you using? And just sit in that moment for 20 seconds, long enough for it to actually imprint upon your brain. Because if it's, if it's, if you're not sitting there for 20 seconds, it's not even going to become a memory, which is shocking. That is shocking. I know. I like, I can imagine how many things that we miss constantly when we're not slowing down and like being grateful for them. Um, yeah. okay. So this is like, this is a question for you, but because I feel like maybe we'll relate on this too. Of was there ever a time where you used your camera or your business to kind of do the opposite, like distract from the present moment or distract from difficult emotions or like <laughs> this, this, this is me calling myself out, Joy. So, <laughs> well, I guess it, if it's like productivity addiction, right? If like that's what's giving you a dopamine spike, but okay. <laughs> I do think there are seasons where our, like our nervous system, like it comes down to awareness, right? Like, is this actually me feeling really lit up and that I can serve my family better now being present with this idea that's trying to be born through me? Like I can financially provide for them or like feel better by achieving this. Like what is, what is the end of success if I follow this thing through? And will that benefit them more than if I'm with them in person present? So, okay, if the answer to that is it's a good thing, then do it, then prioritize that. But if you're realizing it's just like you're just going through the motions and it's not coming from a place of like spillover, it's more from like you're trying to like, I don't know, you're just feeling thirsty and drained, then that can help you realize what needs to happen. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like little warning signs. Um, cause I know I've caught myself in little, like I'm addicted to anxiety. And so let's just keep mm. going. Cause it's like, you know, um, and so mm. kind of either using my business for presence or, um, like having to take steps back to just be like, am I really looking at these harder emotions? Like in mm -hmm. times where you kind of shifted your focus, was it hard to, think about some more difficult emotions like when you're not only when you're not only capturing the smiling faces I guess <laughs> what comes with that <laughs> let me mirror that back to you Kristen <laughs> is it difficult for you <laughs> um yeah I honestly it I don't it's different for me I don't relate to that as much because I think I've never like my business has always been held such a resistance for me. It has been so hard. It's more about like, okay, I have to psych myself up. Where is the emotional energy to psych myself up to be able to like market this thing or whatever? Like, how can I turn on the car so that I can turn it off as fast as possible and then yeah. just collapse? Um, and so I'm actually in a season where I'm trying to shift into it feeling like I know consistency, like I have to start playing the long game a lot better and let it be that I'm inspired normally. And then the spillover can be making the business better. Like that's my current goal. <laughs> I don't struggle yeah. with like 
pushing so hard on the business that I ignore my normal life. I have the opposite problem. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, well, well, cool. Well, I would love to hear just some like tips that you have as people are wanting to kind of think through how to use their camera to practice presence. Um, how can people start doing that in their own life today, whether or not they're a photographer or not? Okay. Would you say the majority of people that listen to your podcast are like they have a big camera? Um, I would say, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. So Number one, it's having accessibility to the big camera when it's not just for work. Um, So, you know, I have tons of amazing gear, but I'll go seasons without documenting. And it's like, it almost makes me feel even more like crap about the season when I don't have my, when I'm not photographing with the camera, the tool that can do the most justice to the beauty that's in front of me. When I'm just using my phone, it's almost like, well, never going to be able to capture this thing anyway. Might as well just stop documenting altogether. And so (laughs) like, you know, when you look back in seasons where you're not taking pictures that are beautiful, it's probably seasons of depression, right? And you have a really hard time remembering the season. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, I have this, I have a four-step plan in the book. It's called the presence principle. And it's the, it's combining neuroscience with photo principles to achieve being able to rewire the brain to be able to experience joy. And so, (laughs) okay. So you're already doing it. You're already. That's the plan joy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's access the plan. Okay. So I'm turning my book to it just to make sure I get every detail, right? Okay. So I had to create this plan for myself because I, um, I was having uh, most recently for the book to help other people, but also I was trying to take a lot of different, I was trying different anxiety meds and trying a a lot of different ways of trying to regulate my nervous system. And I've been going through a lot of healing over the last couple of years, especially writing the book and lots of vulnerability and like really like going through all the layers. So I didn't just create this because I think it's cute. Like it's actually something that I have to use um, because I am someone who is like a visionary, right? So this works really well for people that are visionaries because already you're drawn to beauty. Okay. So first have your camera out in a place where it's accessible, kitchen shelf, lens cap off, memory card in, battery charge. That's very important. Set the color temp to like what it's already going to be in the room. So you're basically wanting to think about nothing except for maybe changing like shutter speed or something like almost no worrying about how the photo is going to look. We are, instead of going to the camera to create a beautiful picture that we're framing to look better than it actually is, we just want to be in the moment get into the moment, become present and actually feel the moment and create art of what that feels like. So if you're feeling really blurry that day, if you're in a transition, maybe the image you need to create is out of focus. Maybe it's a long exposure because everything feels really like off kilter. Maybe it's a double exposure because you can't figure out what your identity is. Like, what do you need in that moment? And so The four-step plan is number one, slow down and breathe, become regulated. Okay. So this is like, I learned a lot of this from my somatic therapist where it's like, when you're feeling triggered, take a breath, get into your body, move from your head into your body, hand on chest and stomach, breathe, 
and realize, okay, I'm in my body. I'm safe. I'm here. Become regulated. Okay. Step two is then set an intention and write it everywhere. So my intention is I am safe. There is something here worth remembering because the alarm in my body is telling me there's nothing worth remembering here. Like just put it away. Stop documenting. This is useless. So I have to instead, okay, set an intention. I am safe. Okay. So I'll let, I'll write it. I have post-it notes everywhere. I bought them. I put them everywhere earlier this year. I write it and put it on the kitchen sink. I write it on my hand. I put marker on my arm. I put a reminder in my phone every single day. I do this. And then anytime I pick my pick, my camera up to take a picture, I'm thinking I am safe in my body. There's something here worth remembering. And I look at that thing because I know it takes 20 seconds for something positive to become a memory. I am determined to sit in that moment for 20 seconds like it is a self-healing therapy session. And I'm looking at my child through that lens. And then I'm looking at my child through the actual eyes and putting my hand on my chest. And I'm breathing for that entire 20 seconds. And I take the picture. And if it's on the big camera, I stare at it even longer and I commit to it is what it is. Or if it's a self-portrait or whatever it is like that, my purpose is the intention. My purpose is self-therapy. It's not about making it look right. And then I join in muscle memory. Okay. Move my body in the experience. My body feels like my arm feels holding the camera. Like let my body shake it out. Like get it, like feel it in some way somatically through the body. Um, and so it's quick. It's like a 30 second, one minute experience, but it's, um, it really makes a big difference. And if you can do that multiple times per day, you're really fighting back against that embodied anxiety that can happen. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Cause I mean, I, I am not usually keeping my big camera close by and, um, the moments I do really want to remember, I'm not present for, or I just glaze past them. So that is such a good practice. And our our brains, like, they're not really helping us to see the positive, are they? <laughs> <laughs> they're so primal. Yeah, it's totally a primal thing, you know, because when we would get hit by a stick, we would have to, in one second, it only takes one second for something negative to become a memory. So our bodies are like, oh, don't go over there. So we're constant. That's like the creation of hypervigilance in our modern society. And so we can start to undo that by actually slowing down and taking in the moment. So it has to be 20 seconds for something positive. So like give yourself a challenge. How many times can you choose to like get out of primal and into presence? Oh, that's so good. 20 seconds, I bet, is a long time when you're first starting to do this, too. <laughs> so long. I know. Why does that have to be the case? <laughs> well, when you were going through all of this, was were there other ways that you changed your life or your lifestyle to slow down? Well, uh, yes, every part. <laughs> uh, I I think that I, like, as a as a business, I was doing this thing that was helping other people see themselves. And I realized, okay, I think most of us that get into this job, we are really just trying to be validated and to see ourselves. And so that shift of realizing, oh my gosh, I have been subconsciously seeking others to tell me that I have worth and value all this time. 
and trying to make my business and my art like everybody else's because I thought that wouldn't be acceptable to me. That's the, that's primal again, right? Like that's survival. So I can survive so that whatever. And then you get to a point like for a lot of us, like midlife, when we start to get sick and our bodies start to break down that you realize, okay, I have to figure out everything that's impacting my body and making me sick. So I think presence, like it's so holistic, like it's the camera is one way of doing that. And then you're like, okay, it's food. What food makes me feel bad ways in my body that I like, I've been numb to all this time. We started doing cold plunge, like teaching my body that I can handle hard things like that. I stress won't kill me that I can endure it. Um, Every, yeah. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. Did you move to? We moved to an island. Yes. We've moved many times. <laughs> I think I've always been dealing with like an inner ho- homelessness, you know, like trying to find home. I know you've moved many times too. Mm-hmm. Um, seeking peace or a lifestyle where it's like the art can free flow. But yeah, I, we moved to this island. It has no stoplights. It has, um, it, it, you have to take a ferry to get here. We're surrounded by oh, whales. <laughs> that's yeah, amazing. I, it is, but that tells you the level of like anxiety that like we I'm like, okay, nowhere else is working. We have to literally move to a place where you have to d- take a boat to get there. Like the slowness of lifestyle is astronomical. <laughs> um, that's incredible. Forcing it to happen. Yes. The inner homelessness, is it, is it like, um, I like peace is the main thing that you crave probably like a home that feels peaceful. Think of place where it's like a groundedness, you know, like, uh, I didn't, I wanted to be away from any place that would trigger me or require me to wear any masks that I wore before now. And anyone that I meet, they are meeting this version and it doesn't revert me into a a version of having to, I don't know of any, like, does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) A lot less triggers and it has allowed for a lot more free flowing creativity and connectivity between me and my kids and my husband, because we are all making super intentional choices about like patriarchy society is no longer working for us. So we had to find a way to experience relationship with the earth that could help us feel grounded in a way that uh, our previous surroundings of quote unquote safety had maybe told us it could be like, but that we just never could find. Yeah. Yeah. No, I super relate with that. And like, I'm sure having your kids so close to nature and having your family there, you're able to spend so much more time together and connect on such a different way. I like, you know, this is a photography and creative business podcast, but also I'm like, let's talk about lifestyle. Let's talk about all these other things that you do to, you know, create something different because a lot of the ways we're told to live just aren't working for a lot of us. So mm-hmm. I love that. That's super inspiring. Thanks, Kristen. Well, and the fact that it, like choosing m- mental health or whatever your nervous system is required will make your art better. You know, like it has, like I I wanted to move here not only because of all those reasons I said, but 
now I am thinking different as an artist because I'm like, oh, I didn't think about using moss in this way or the curve of the rocks. Ooh, like I could position my body in that way. Or, you know, like each shift that your body is requiring is making the creativity so much more interesting. Um, so just that in itself is a major reason to listen to what your body is saying. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, do you mind talking about um, like how marriage and healing have, I, I didn't like prep you to talk about this. Either. <laughs> I'm like, let's talk about this because, sure. you know, I know that those, the photos that you shared on Instagram of you and your husband, they're just so sweet. And, and that like, that's impacted so many people you talking about healing Thanks. and, and how that's happened with your, you know, your partnership and your marriage. Um, mm-hmm. like how have all these things woven together with your partnership. Thanks. Yeah, that I would say that's fairly new-ish, uh, like the past couple years. Uh, I think healing is contagious. And when oftentimes it's the women that lead in that direction, because we, ha- we like our bodies react um, maybe earlier because of the hormone situation that's happening there. Um And so women often, at least for me, I dove into the healing work first. And that meant a lot of like deprogramming from previous thought processes. And I grew up in a very conservative religion and my did not, we came from very opposite backgrounds. And I always felt like if he could just do all these things that I feel like he's supposed to do, then we will like be healed. But in fact, like it was like we have been like digging away towards each other uh, this whole time. And it was like I had to knock down all of my previous ideas of how I thought the world should be that was based in conservative situation. And he had to break down all his walls of feeling like emotions were to be ignored. And now we like hit head on in the middle of our healing journey. And like both of us are learning different things. He is learning to have to say what he needs and to put boundaries. And I'm learning that I actually am not a piece of crap and that I am worthy of taking care of myself. And here we are. And I think that's a lot of, a lot of different relationships right now from different reasons. Yeah. Um, but of course I'm always thinking creatively, like artistically, like, okay, this journey, what if it was a, what was an, an image? What would it look like in an image? And um, we've taken various pictures over the years. Like our kids will take them from really high above, like from like a second floor or like one of our kids like sat on top of our car and like held the camera over, took the pictures, but is like, we have benefited, him and I have benefited so much from seeing the embodied experience of healing in a photo like oh that's what it looks like when I'm turning away from you or that's what your face looks like when I'm turned away and I can't see you and you're like reaching for me like I'm thinking oh he hates me and he's just thinking like oh I wish she would stop hating herself and so what does that look like in an image and then we'll talk about it and it's like a prompt you know where it's like we wouldn't normally maybe talk about those things but because we do the uncomfortable thing of like creating images of it, it helps speed our healing up because it's giving like, that's what therapists do. They create really good prompts. They ask really good questions. And when you photograph the reality of what you're experiencing, especially with like body posture and light, um, it's like a self-healing prompt, but you can in- do it with your partner. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that's so good. I mean, I, I do think so many of us, we just live inside of our heads. And when we get to see something reflected back to us, either through another person or an image or a prompt, it can be so powerful. So I love mm. that. Thanks. And I'm just yeah. imagining your kids climbing up on your car to take <laughs> pictures of you too. It's adorable. <laughs> well, I think we want the same thing. I mean, you and I and everyone listening, probably it's like, I want to model, we want to model for our kids what resolution can look like and self and healing. Uh, I want them to see how they could do it maybe in their own way that other people aren't doing it because we all have to process things that they really need to learn. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm, I just, my greatest hope is that I pass on some of these skills to my son sooner than it took me to learn them because I just hope I just hope that he has access to these sooner and, you know, I don't know. I know we all just want the best for our kids, but I hope that it's not as painful for him, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, he's learning. I mean, we all have seen the way that he learns to not be afraid of adventure or change, you know, that you're modeling that for him, showing him that. And that's that I think that's that's what if all of us had learned that earlier, we would not have be healing <laughs> quite to the extent that we are now. <laughs> so totally, totally. Yeah. Um, well, I'd love to hear more about the process of writing a book too, because I'm sure that that is not an easy process. Uh, switching from photographer to author. Any key takeaways from that process, or like was that easy breezy? <laughs> Well, let's see. I had tried to do it for several years before it actually took, I think. So I would encourage anyone listening that like, if you're feeling that little urge, like, please keep following it, but know that it's going to take a long time. And I, I had sought out agents like a couple years before I actually found the right agent and, um, pitching myself just felt so horrible. It felt so bad. And I took those people's responses as this thing isn't good or this thing isn't worthy of being made. So I think that's when I started really undoing the validation piece. Like, oh, wait, I know this actually is good. This guy just does not, he's not the guy for me. He's not the agent for me. And so that mind shift has been huge. But um, I... I felt like it was too late for me to write a book. Like I felt like when I got sick and then the pandemic hit, maybe a lot of people can relate to this. Like I felt it's too late for me. Like all of the good stuff or like the stuff that made me like worthy of like success or like speaking on stages or whatever, like that is in the past that is gone. And it took me a couple years to deal with that. Maybe that's like an ego death or (laughs) exactly sure. But um, I had to grow. I had to be, I realized the reason, looking back, the reason it took so long is because I had to become the voice of wisdom that my readers deserved and that I couldn't talk about how, like, no one wants to read a book about somebody that everything has gone right for them. And, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I had someone send me a message the other day that said, I chose not to buy your book because I didn't want to feel even worse about not having, being a put together mom. I'm like, oh, well, that's the complete opposite of what I wrote because it's about, hey, like nobody's going to do this perfect. And whatever you're creating in your art is just 
mirroring the inner voices. Um, and so let's, let's make the journey not so hard. And so by, it's been so beneficial for me in writing the book. Yes, it was hard, but the hard part was not like compiling it because it's a whole group of people that make it really good and they work with you. And I had to be okay with being a beginner again. And that's like just a lot of pain, <laughs> emotional pain of just, oh no. And like, uh, anyway, but people make it good. They make the writing make sense. The yeah. hard part, the hard part though, is the like having to deal with my own stuff and learn it. Like I'm devoted to learning this thing so that I can grow and to grow is always painful. And if I'm going to speak on it, it's going to hurt and actually do it. Don't just preach about the thing, really practice it. And, um, yeah, so that's been great because I already signed my second book deal. I'm writing my second book right now. And it's because like, if it helps someone else, wonderful, but I know that I need to keep learning and growing about the thing that's interesting to me. And if I can get paid to learn about it and help people learn about it too, that's like best case scenario for me. Um, so yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, I feel you like the the personal trans transformation pro uh, process that comes along with creativity and um I can imagine it does it feel like opening your journal to a bunch of people to read <laughs> uh the first draft yes but it's like that was the 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 editor with my editor Stephanie Smith she's amazing because <laughs> the first edit when I sent it to her like I photographed a lot of people that have passed away I have photo it's been experienced like a lot of death in the work that I've done and um, I had included a lot of those stories in the book and she she told me she's like Joy I was reading it and after uh, like I had to put it down for a week. Cause I was like, there's nothing good in the world worth living for. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like that's not how I want my reader to feel. And so it was like, yes, like that first draft, there's so much of like my own stuff, but then it's like, okay, let's take all of the parts out that are like not helpful for anyone else that are like just self-indulgent, like remove that. <laughs> and so there's like 30,000 words removed. Uh, and oh so gosh. what's left is like the stuff that's really helpful. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah. I love thinking about that too, of like what we see when something shipped is not someone's first draft. There's a lot of processes that go, that it goes through and um, a lot of pieces that are missing. Maybe you can release Joy's version at some point too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just for Joy. <laughs> but thank you for thinking anyone would care about it. <laughs> so. Um, was the launching challenging? I know you said that some of the the pitching and marketing is a more challenging part of the process for you. Was any of that like, has it been joyful? Has it been challenging? Because I don't kind of all of it. Um, let's see. I think the beautiful part about it is knowing that like it helped enhance my credibility as an entrepreneur as a creative, like, okay, I have this thing that like you can actually hold in your hands. Cause for so long I was just offering experiences that were very expensive, thousands of dollars to work with me. And my dream was always that like I could make it accessible. And so that's wonderful. But the actual launching of it, like on the day I had gathered all my 
women, close women together. And they were here with me on the island. And I had planned all these things, this like sound bath. And we were going on a bioluminescence kayaking tour and all of these like things that I thought would be amazing. And the day came and my nervous system was so shot. I was covered in hives and just like very panicky. And it was like my body was experiencing something. And whenever I would do those things, like the sound bath felt like I was like being attacked. And then we went on the kayaking tour and I had a panic attack. And like, I just was like, I realized, oh, I just needed to just be today. And so it was a lesson, you know, in learning, like I have just had to constantly learn my body can't handle often the things that my mind imagines. And if I can like, oh, I can, maybe my friendships can be so deep now that I don't have to entertain them. Or like maybe the experience of just honoring that this thing has been born rather than trying to create all these things to do, like your productivity thing we were talking about. Yeah. Like I can just like, can I just honor myself like with the ceremony of just like baptizing myself in the water and knowing that like that's enough. And so it's just reassessing what success means, like learning it in a lot of different ways, I think. Um, how do you translate that to photographers that are running their business day to day, doing lots of shoots, showing up, wanting to please a million people there? Does that do you have some, you know, a mantra or a thing that you say to help yourself kind of be there in the shoot and not kind of get all, I don't know, all worked up about all the different <laughs> things going on? <laughs> yeah. Um having a ritual for your work. Um, my somatic therapist, she's so great. She taught me how important it is to have a ritual. Well, a ritual around every time I give myself an injection, because it's something that gives me life, but it is very uncomfortable and can be painful because I'm like bracing for the thing that is going to happen. So in a sense, like going to do a photo shoot, as a sensitive person is the same way or it can feel, it can feel like that. And so I have started, like, I have this little pouch that before I do a shoot or like before I sit down to work or like before I get into any mindset of trying to like not seek validation, but instead just spill over from what's inside me. It's like, I have to tap the well first. So how do I tap the well? And so the ritual might be for someone like they're in their car, they're getting ready to go do a session. Maybe they have a special like um, essential oil, like a roller they have in their bag. They have a special song. They put it on, you know, they get there early to be able to have this. They turn it on, they put the roller on. Maybe they have a meditation. I started doing these meditations. It's like pre-care before like this experience or like aftercare after you've like think of it like a birth right like you get to go and bear witness to someone revealing themselves and you get to give them permission to show who they really are and the only way that they will gain permission for that is if you believe that you can be who you truly are access it feel it breath work, like you can do box breathing. There's like a variety of different breathing exercises. Find a way to get into your body. And then you will go into the session a lot more present because it was like a ceremonial ritual that you entered into. And even like I do breath work with my clients like during the session. So like how can you find tools for yourself to get inward and then incorporate those into the actual session? And you have to talk to your 
clients about it beforehand, right? Like a lot more communication, but you get to decide who you are, like what you are validating in your client, whether yes, the most important thing is for them to look perfect or actually the most important thing is to just be in the present moment. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love thinking of it as a ritual and just that we get to kind of create that energetic container. And if we are being someone that we think we're supposed to be for our clients, of course, they're going to feel like they have to be someone different for who they think we want them to be or who they think they're supposed to be in the world. So that's really beautiful. Yeah. Do you do those things with your kids too when you're photographing them? Uh, They don't really notice the camera anymore. No, but we do. We definitely do ceremonies as a family, like um, new moon ceremonies or when there's different like shifting of the season, like all of us, or at least the older five kids will sit down and kids have so many unspoken things that they don't know how to articulate. And they don't even know that maybe that's an op. They don't even like, what's a ceremony, you know? And so we sit, we sit down in a circle. It's after the little kids go to bed, we put on some special music, we breathe together, like candlelight. The kids love candles. And we write down what is something that's like feeling heavy that you would want to let go of. And they write it down. Or if they can't write, they draw a picture. Then we burn it in the fire. And then we all do like a crazy dance party. And it's just mainly connection and intentionality, like starting to build that into the family from a very young age. Oh, I love that so much. You know, we could do a whole other homeschooling kids island life podcast. Great. Too, so maybe I'm a part. Ready. I'm here for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I just think that like all of those things merge together so beautifully, and um, and that you know trying to keep everything separate to me feel to me has always felt um inauthentic I'm like everything just blends together and like life and connection everything connects so I think it can only blend that way if you have a healthy perspective of yourself you know because otherwise if it's all blending together like everything gets really messed up (laughs) so like that just goes to show that like your ability to have everything kind of live intertwined is a really beautiful example of the way that you're choosing mental health for yourself and that everybody else gets to benefit from it Thanks. That's really kind. Yeah. Well, is there anything that you want to leave our audience with or how can they connect with you um, or anything that I should have asked that I didn't? <laughs> you asked so many great questions. I, I can't think of <laughs> ask them all at the same time. <laughs> no, you did great. Um, people can find me on Instagram at Joy Proudy. Um, my book, it's, I still think you can get it for like $17 from my publisher, Baker Books. It If you're a documentarian and you're wanting to figure out how to get deeper and like deeper into yourself that can benefit your work, it's definitely something that will help you. Even if you're not a mom, even though it's written for moms, that's just the the, the target audience that struggles with this the most, so Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your book. And everyone, make sure you go uh, connect with Joy online and get her book, Practicing Presence. Thanks, Kristen. Thanks. This episode was produced and edited by the lovely Jen Madigan Creative. Music for this episode was written and recorded by Jamie Lono and Shammy D. Thanks for being part of our Dangerous Creatives podcast community, and we'll see you again next time. Let's get the point out.